Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. We're mass the waves wasn't under duress it was just that like it did it couldn't be done for night four i think it was a four night run but above the waves had to be for night one had to be ready so yeah i felt like there was a lot of pressure to get that in and it wasn't a song until i wrote the above the waves part while i was walking to get food so when you walk when you go to the football field to write you go there to write you don't go there to go to 7-eleven obviously there's a number of songs about me going to that same <laughs> fucking 7-eleven but uh I wouldn't go to the 7-Eleven unless, unless nothing else was working. Yeah. And on the way to the 7-Eleven, the, the musical part of, of uh, Bizarre Escape was going through my head. And then the lyric happened. And then I was like, oh, well, now this. And I sang it. I recorded it on my little thing. And I sang the whole section while I was walking. It was basically a jam. And then I listened to it in 7-Eleven while I was like buying a hot dog or something terrible. And I was like, all right, this is it. This is the song, and I need a jam. And then the next day, I was like, oh, why don't I take that bass line and move it up and do that? And I've always wanted to do that, and blah, blah, blah. And then that became a thing. And um, yeah, so it was under duress because I knew I had like two days to finish it. Yeah. I only had 48 hours to do Above the Waves from when I started working on it to when I was done. And I knew that, that was like a clock. And then uh, Hot Air Balloon was under another clock, but it was like, I had a week for that one. But you have the clock that's on you, and then there's the clock of teaching it to the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's two clocks. How does that, <laughs> and how does that factor? What is the pro? So you, you talked about how Aaron that adds the chords, Mark and Sam, then 
add the groove. How many yeah. times you step foot on stage on the 29th at Wetlands? These are big shows for you guys because Fish is at MSG. Everyone's pouring into Wetlands afterwards. You're waiting for those shows to end. Yeah, yeah. You're playing all night. These are big, big shows. There's a real sense of you guys have the stage. And there's one thing that you guys have always done is when you get the spotlight, whether it's at some kind of package tour or a night like this, you really fucking rose to the occasion. And these shows stood out at the time and still stand the test of time as being major, major accomplishments for you guys. But you're going in there and you're debuting above the waves. Like, how many times have you guys played through that song before that night when you play it as a band? Uh, once, successfully. <laughs> well, which maybe explains I mean, why... we played the sections a number of times, yeah. but it's hard to string them together, well, especially in that song. And the first time you do play it, you have... There are really jagged transitions between the end of the yeah, jam and yeah. the uh I remember, swam i remember i wanted song yeah i wanted to play it together a bunch of times and the problem with new year shows and debuting things over new year shows is like people it's a holiday for people including the band members so yeah people like want to go to a holiday party and talk to, like yeah we have a show tonight yeah it's it's this big wetland show we care about and stuff like that. We want it to be huge. But like at the same time, like I kind of want to like not think about it so much and go to a party and say hi to people who are celebrating and everybody's in town and let's have some fun. And like, for me, I was like kind of on one and, and I wanted everybody to, to, to really, I was, I think I wanted everybody to play it like three times, I think was what I asked everybody. And they were like, okay, well, I was like, well, let's play it front to back three times without any real fuck ups and see how, and then everybody go to their party or whatever. And then we played it wrong like 17 times and we got like crappily through it once. And then we were like, okay, that's it. That's it. We're done. Let's just take a, a listen to a little bit. <laughs> but we played it pretty good that you night. You played it I very good. I mean, you got it in, in a tight 12 minutes, but let's, I'll pick it up from like really close to the end to hear how you land the ship. I'll land the plane on that first time. This is pretty good for the first time. do this anymore this is the, the extended ending yeah we don't do this part it's, anymore it's, i like it you did it for like until may to 
until May the next year. Of uh, May of 99, you stopped. And then we stopped doing this part. The, the, this happy... Well, the, the, the ones through, like, a step down, and then once through... Oh yeah! The, oh, we're gonna do that. That—that's that, what I'm talking about. Oh, I'm just talking, talking about, about this. this. I'm just talking about like the harmonic approach to this part oh. of the jam. Okay, I thought you were talking about the lick. Yeah. I think this was like a jam philosophy of, of back in this time was, you know, go to a major chord at the top of the jam, then do this like. You would cue. Yeah, we don't do any queuing anymore. No, no queuing right. at all. Yeah. I don't mind the queuing. How do you feel about the queuing? I love it. You like the queuing. I love it. We should go back to the queuing. What about Magellan go back to the queuing? Helicopters go back to the queuing? Yeah. I, I really love it. It's very <laughs> so old school. Funny. It is very old school. I mean, look, we, we don't play on these sound systems anymore. You don't have to queue anymore. I can hear what you're playing. You know, you can hear what I'm playing. Yeah. Back then, this was like my speaker, my amp was over here. Your amp was over here. You can hear what you can hear. I can hear what I can hear. Have a good show. Yeah. You know, now it's like scientific, you know? But musically, the cues do have a value. Yeah. And the interesting thing is the band doesn't see any value in the cues. Oh, no. <laughs> no, you, you went through a period, though, where you, you truncated the... Yeah, we killed all for, the cues. For yeah, yeah. Bernstein and Chasnoff, you you, you kind of like reduced the endings, like of a lot of the of the yeah, jazz. The cues are boring, and um, for us, because we like the like suddenness of getting to the end of the jam. But musically, it is a little bit more of an experience, a little bit less yeah. of music, you know. And here is where I was saying. Oh. Yeah, a little bit of difficulty getting between the two. Oh. I faded out there. Yeah, we probably, probably, we just come out of a jam like that. Like, probably everyone Everyone's was like, like Where oh, the wait, fuck there's another we? part to this fucking song. <laughs> I think we probably had charts on stage for that one, you know? You may have. So, uh, this is, this is fun because I, I have, uh, remember Discuss Biscuits? Mm -hmm. Remember you'd like send an email and it would send to everyone else mm -hmm. and, it was, it was like Twitter 1.0 or something. It was the, the original place where Biscuits fans talked, and you guys were all on it. And mm -hmm. a few days after Silk City, <laughs> you wrote, you never heard Above the Waves, Eulogy, or Hot Air Balloon before we performed them <laughs> at these shows. We would love to hear what the hell went down this weekend. If anyone has tapes of New Year's Eve and 1230, please email us. And if you have time, please send us copies. It would be our utmost pleasure to send blanks and postage. I remember the shows were pretty hot. I feel like you guys had a good time. Thanks for coming. Wow. So. Sounds like a future podcaster. <laughs> you, you still had not. This is a week after the shows. You still hadn't even heard the song. Yeah, yeah. Well, why not? Because I had the. That's weird. That is weird. Because Tom uh, C and Nick Kolovos and I, I think, were, and John Madigan were the only people who had a tape at that point. And we but had to. I had, when I did Fiddler and when I did Voices Insane, I had a recording tape deck system because both of those songs were 
were done. Both of those songs, when practice was over, I sat down and I remember listening to the tape. Okay, so you had of the band. And I had a, a little like a multi-track, demo. and I used that same multi-track for House Dog, which is after. Yeah. So for songs before and for songs after, I had this multi-track player that was a, an essential part of writing all those three songs. So all those three songs were jumbled. Why didn't we use it for these? I wonder. Maybe because of the timeline questions you were talking about earlier with being home for Christmas and everything going on at the end of the year. Maybe you didn't have the tape deck. Yeah. I probably didn't want to leave it out. I probably thought somebody was going to steal it. But at a biscuit show, that could happen. No, at our house. At oh, at your house. Because our practice <laughs> thing was like the front porch of the house. Oh. And I used to leave it right by the front porch. And over that New Year's run, there was like 15 Disco Biscuit heads staying in our house. Yeah. No, we all And came- I didn't know any of them. And I had already had one of those units stolen. We all came back after Silk City. Yeah, like the every entire... night there was 30 people in the house. Yeah. And I probably was like, I'm not going to. Those things were expensive back then. And I bought one with like lawn mowing money when I was a kid. And I brought it to Penn and I left it out in Philadelphia in the house. I left it in the house. But I went to bed and I left it and I woke up the next morning it was gone. And then I bought another one with... I don't know where I found the money for that. And the, it was a little bit better. And um, and I think if there were a lot of people, I, I might have done that. I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of. There was a lot of people there. There was the whole Rick Rude, like, lunatic party that was across the hall. Very strong memory I have of Rick Rude crawling ac- across the shag, carpeting like a worm, uh, like yeah. in the wee hours of January 1st, 1999, and licking my then-girlfriend. Right, I remember that. Like on her face. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. that was like the first. And I you guys think, were like hardcore dating. It was like a oh, total, we ended up getting married. Yeah, it was a total like. No, why but it did was. You do but that? it was no. It, it was. We it, all thought Rick. We were like Rick. If you're gonna like somebody's girlfriend, that's not the one. It was poor choice. In that moment, <laughs> it, every you know, like I, the memories of that, like everyone lost their fucking mind that night. Mm-hmm. I yeah, remember- so I hid the tape recorder, so I didn't get a chance to listen to anything. So how many more emails did I send to that Disgust Biscuits? Like zero, right? No, there was some more because there was, uh, I mean, Sammy primarily, Mark. Yeah, I was not sending I was only, you were not I was sitting there saying, there. God damn it, we're writing these songs, these songs, I can't hear them. Yeah. 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 So uh, you head out on tour a few, <laughs> you have like two weeks off. Then we did the 11-week tour. Then you did the tour. Oh, God. And this is so the tour the where you guys, tour. like, where the, the cocoon rips open and the butterfly eats yeah. its wings because you play uh, Above the Waves 23 times between January 18th and March 27th. Yeah, because we played every night of the week. And you played Above we the played Waves. We played, like, two shows on Sunday. We were, it was It was... I remember we did 11 weeks straight because we got off that tour and we were like, never again, 11 weeks, never again. Yeah. Like We would fight about things that don't make any sense just because we were like, oh, we're still on tour. Oh, my God, we're still yeah. on tour. Yeah. Why are we still here? Fuck you. Why, why are you making me do this? But in those days, like, how, how are you going to pay the bills? It was impossible. Like, we had just gotten a van and we had just paid for all this stuff. Yeah. That was essential to make a band. And I think like we were supposed to write an album that was supposed to give us an advance, and instead we wrote this long-winded garbage that <laughs> nobody was ever going to pay us to make an album of. And uh, and so we had to go out and hustle, do it on the road, uh, we had to make it work. I know you're you're kind of being 
flip by saying no one would ever record that. But I feel like at the time, everyone was saying this has to be a, a record. Yeah, we never made it. I don't know why. It was, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was weird. It was weird. I mean, I think the thing we did in 2018 was pretty close to a recording of it. It was a live recording. Yeah. A lot of bands do that with their like rock operas. Cause like, I don't think people really like people want a recording of the rock opera, but that's not the album that that's the next album. People want like your, your, uh, like a dark side of the moon type of album with like hits and yet a flow through. Like that's what people want. But is there in your mind like a version of the hot air balloon where you have like, you know, you're conducting an orchestra on the overture and there's like, you know, I mean, a full at the time, woodwind yeah. section and. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't do that now, but uh, at the time I was, of course, going down all those little routes. I mean, you, when you're writing a song, when you're writing something like that and you're in it, like I started on July. There's a notebook in here somewhere where you there's, it's written my I'm starting this today. Blah, 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 right. I, I wrote it in Pittsburgh. So whenever we played Pittsburgh in June or July was day one. And um, and there's a little book where it's all written there. And then after that is all the lyrics of all these songs. And when you live in it to the level that I think I lived in that, like you have to picture the band playing the song this way, the band playing the song that way, the band playing it this way. What happens if somebody else is playing? Keep yourself occupied and stay focused on the same piece of art. You know, the same piece of music. You want to stay focused on it? You got to think about it different ways. You know, you if you stop and go to Netflix, you're not focused anymore and you're out. Yeah. You know, so... So fortunately, there were no distractions back then. Yeah, did we have TV back then? I mean, we didn't have one in that house. I never had a TV around. I despised yeah, the TV for, forever. You know, I don't anymore, but maybe I should. <laughs> Pittsburgh in in it's really not that good in anymore, 1998. No. You were in Pittsburgh in April and in July. So I'm gonna July assume. was the one. Yeah. Okay, so July 8th. Yeah, there's like a book entry in my notebook. That it's night like, you this is the, the day. Chicken, oh, wow, Memphis, Basilios, wow. Pygmy, yeah. I Man, Radiator, Straight No Chaser, Shimmy, Jamelia. Okay, I'm going to take you. Yeah, yeah. So we just heard that embryonic, the first, the little jam from the first version of, of Waves. And now I'm going to play you what is like really like a consummate uh, winter 1999 Waves Jam, and maybe one of the best Waves Jams of all time. This is, you know, amongst the scholars, the Rich Steeles, the Andy Bazanis, all these people who, and by the way, I am a complete fraud compared to these people. They know 10,000 times more about you guys and, and your music than I do. I, I am standing on their shoulders. A lot of this research comes from reading their blog posts and stuff right. like that. So props to Andy, to Rich, to Don Cody and the Biscuits Internet Project for putting this all together. But... Since since 1999, Don Cody has a touchdowns all day tab. Yeah, on the Biscuit Internet Project, which it I is, asked him it to is do, an and amazing he did resource it. for fans. What an amazing site! An amazing database really for it too. Don Cody is a database whiz, so you can look at every single time above the waves was played, what went into it, what went out of it. A lot of my research came from just straight up looking at his database front end. Um, so this is this is February third, 1999. This is in mm-hmm. Raleigh. This is a Wednesday night. At mm-hmm. the brewery, um, so the brewery R.I.P. closed down in 2011. But you're there on a Wednesday night. This uh-huh. is uh, you, you're like three weeks into this 11 week tour. Yeah, yeah. Um, you play the. Uh, the I used st- to love playing North Carolina. Actually, I used to really North Carolina. When we were in that size room, 
I used to love playing North Carolina. Asheville. Because people would party with the band afterwards, but it wasn't like crazy partying. It was like normal people just like hanging out. Um, Super, super cute chicks in North Carolina. It was a really fun place to hang. Just far enough away. And we played there a lot. Yeah, just So that we're not all there. Yeah, yeah. You get like a few nights away. Like we're down in Delaware. I mean, Rob Turner was there. Tom C would make it down there. Yeah. And teach tennis the next day (laughs) and go skiing and be back at the next show uh, that night. Uh, So this is, I think this is a high watermark above the waves. A lot of people agree with me. And he he flipped out on it. He loved it. And this is what Sammy had to say. In regards to this being the first song written with a trance jam in it, I'd argue that the first jam in this is not even close to trance. It's often very psychedelic. Agreed. But such a raging tempo, <laughs> certainly not trance. Listening to a few older versions of this yesterday and also dredging the depths of my memory, the main improv section ranged from a mellow crystal acid rain to a speed punk express train running off the rails. The tempo is so fast that my beat almost becomes death metal when the snare comes in. So good. But I think Max is right when he suggested that this was one of the earlier tunes that John wrote to have a defined electronic jam section built in. You'd have to confirm with Barbara on that. I will say that I always love seeing waves on my set list. In a lot of ways, it was and still may be foolproof in the sense that if we ever tanked the jam, the chord changes of the climax and the melody were just so good that any missteps in the buildup were quickly forgotten. That is the uh, that's what you're going for with the with the chord progression and the melody for sure. Like and and you don't always get there. You don't always get there. So this jam, this is a 35 minute long above the waves. And I'm not going to play you the whole thing, but I'm going to play you two sections because it has two distinct jams. It has one that is the the freight train running off the rails. Mm -hmm. And then it has the other, which is the where Mark and I have Mark talking a little bit about this in a moment, but where Mark takes more control of the tempo and slows things down. Mm -hmm. And it goes more into that sort of dubby territory, not necessarily a dub jam, but it's where Mark slows things down and starts playing at like a halftime tempo. Let's do some ads. We got sponsors who are helping to bring you your Touchdowns All Day podcast. We'd like to thank all of them. First sponsor is Synlawn, S-Y-N-L-A-W-N. It is a artificial grass company, folks. And they have artificial grass that you could put anywhere. You could put it in your living room. You could put it in the backyard. You can put it, I, I would put it if you had a balcony, put it on the balcony. Anywhere that you're not quite sure what to do and you need some lawn, this place is perfect. Sin Lawn uses bio-based ingredients like soy and sugar cane. It's made in the United States. They're uh, one of the largest manufacturers and installers of synthetic grass. It's USDA bio-based certified, safest and cleanest turf available, great for kids and pets. So go to sinlawn.com slash touchdowns and take a look at their products if you need grass for any of your needs in that category. I have some artificial grass at my house and let me tell you it's way easier folks sinlawn.com slash touchdowns for information on sinlawn products great for residential playgrounds roofing golf sinlawn thank you for joining our podcast thank you for sponsoring i'd like to thank sunsetlakecbd.com there's a promo code for 15 percent off for touchdowns all day listeners go to sunsetlakecbd.com and use the promo code TOUCHDOWNS 
and they send me a box of CBD stuff and a bunch of documents about how pure the CBD was. Apparently, you can go to their website and you can see all these documents. Really, everything. They had these CBD joints, flower and a joint. I have never smoked a CBD joint before, but wonderful. Better than the edibles. Now, you know me, I don't really smoke joints that much, so I don't really smoke anything, but... That was good. It was really great. I was surprised. Their CBD gummies are awesome, of course. They had some tinctures, some keef, and then there's some coffee. Really great. And everything has full documentation about the ingredients and what kind of milligrams you're getting. These guys are a family-owned dairy farm that produces milk for Ben & Jerry's ice cream. And they decided to diversify and start growing hemp for CBD. Probably because... For every CBG joint they sell, they'll probably sell a quart of ice cream as well. You know how that works. Go to their website, sunsetlakecbd.com. Check it out. Promo code TOUCHDOWNS for 15% off on the whole thing. Is anybody discussing the upcoming Orchard Lounge show on Couch Tour on October 3rd? Yeah, give a little plug, our boy Ben We Silver. have. If you go to couchtour.tv... And you just click on the logo or go to the homepage or whatever you see. There's a ad for Saturday, October 3rd, 2020, Orchard Lounge and Dr. Famous. This is the first official couch tour show. This is not an official couch tour show. This is just a streaming. Yeah. Uh, but that will be the first official. It's presented by Full Circle Music Productions and, uh, and Couch Tour, of course. And that'll be our first official couch tour show. And that's probably will be, you know, I'm assuming it's going to be awesome. And yeah. then if that's a success, I think we're going to stream the Biscuit Yarmouth shows on there. And then once we do all that, then we're, it's up. We're good. We're ready to fire. And then we just basically get the biscuits in some kind of cool room and do some, some COVID-friendly couch touring for everybody. You have a lot of freedom. You have a lot of opportunity to experiment. You could do all sorts of fun stuff that you might not be able to do on yeah. a big stage. That's that's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be really interesting for sure. Like, what happens when we basically don't have to go on tour to pay our rent? Yeah. And then, but we do have to produce a lot of music. Yeah. How does that look like? I feel like that's what 99 and 98 were about because we only did weekend shows then. We didn't really do that many tours. 98. 98, we wrote a lot of great music. We were home most of the year. I mean, they left me alone in that house in August. Everybody went somewhere for the summer, and I had nowhere to go, and nobody told me that we weren't going to be there. I woke up, and everybody's like, oh, man, leaving for four weeks going to the beach or whatever and i was like oh cool man have fun and then and then i talked to sammy and be like yeah i'm going home for four weeks uh nobody told me to go somewhere and i I sat in that house by myself and wrote all those songs i mean in your defense it was your job so i mean i would assume you would think that oh we're going to keep working at our jobs yeah, I think this happens to me a lot of times in life. This happens to me all the time where everybody makes plans and nobody tells me to make plans. And then I don't make plans. And then I'm like, oh, everybody has plans. I didn't know that I was supposed to be. I could have made plans, but I didn't. It happens to me all the fucking time. Well, you didn't make plans, you made music. Yeah, I'm happy with the way it turned out. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this is that Above the Waves 
February 3rd, 1999. It's immediately more well-organized. Yeah. Yeah, it's so much cleaner. Like, people play less. This is a great soundboard with, like, like the weird mix. Like, clearly, uh, playing some spooky shit. I like that scale a lot. It's hard to find a good spot for it. This is a pretty good spot for it. What is that shimmery kind of effect? It's a tremolo. It's a pretty standard country music thing. I'm using it just to... I'm using it to blend with Aaron. So, to, for just for the audience, Aaron's keyboard sounds are really loud there. Yeah. And we had this problem for a while where the keyboard sounds would go direct to the recording... And they would be just in the audience. They sound normal. Yes. But on the tape, they sound a little out there. Yeah. So yeah, it's a little bit of a bummer about the soundboards in this era. But, but this is the only tape that was made that night. Yeah. There are a couple of those nights where there's just that one soundboard, and you get the weird mix where you don't get a lot of low end. You get a lot of air in. Yeah. But sometimes it's interesting to be able to hear. It's almost like an isolation track. Yeah. Yeah. You're crystal clear, except when Aaron's drowning you out. Eventually, they'll make a robot to figure out how to remix this. And hopefully, we'll be alive to hear it when it's done. You know what I mean? So great that Robival has like a jolly body laugh because otherwise, it's just a dude with a face mask mean mugging the shit out of us right now. Tough crowd. (laughs) He's just like staring us down like motherfucker. This is like the most delicate way that you can play a song at this tempo. Yeah. Sammy's really like, it's almost like jazz drums he's playing here, yeah. you know? Because you start really hitting the kick. It's, it's, it's too fast for that. 
And I think like a lot of times I write these songs where I don't really think about what the tempo is. You know, I don't think about like the, the, the analytic part of writing a song. Sometimes it should mean something, but sometimes it doesn't. And you get something like this when you're not thinking about, you know, you're just kind of hearing it in your head and you're trying to make it real. Sometimes you don't realize this is 220 BPM or like whatever. What is this? You know, and it's just like at a at a slower tempo. That's 180. It's fine. Um, would it have been cooler at a slower tempo? No, because it would have been. Suddenly, I'm making the song to fit a, a number. Yeah. You know, and for me, that's very dangerous. I think a lot of people can do that. And it doesn't take away their... For me, the second I put a number on something, I've started... It becomes a pseudo puzzle, as I said earlier. Like, I have to, like, watch out for that. I have to stay away from that because it's just the way my brain works. So I get... These are the results that you get from it. It's just, like, stuff that's almost on the border of non-musical. Mindless dribble, same thing. But a lot of those other songs started slower, and they, over time... I mean, I was talking earlier about yeah. the first dribble. It's about quarter time to what a contemporary dribble would be. Yeah, yeah. Waves uh, was always fast. But I think as this example illustrates, you can be fast while still being patient. Because this is 14 minutes into the jam. You still have another 20 minutes to go. I know. It feels like we're almost there, right? And you do that here. You go all the way up. And then you go all the way back down to zero. Yeah, we used to do that a lot. We used was, to do that a lot. Was that by design? Because sometimes, obviously, you'd, you'd miss the, the re-entry and you'd have to go back out and do it all over again. But something like this sounds more like by design. Well, I mean, look, you, we, we're in the jam here. And I think you want to play like a nice 10 or 15-minute jam. You don't want to yeah. play a six-minute jam. No. Because six-minute jam... You may be the only one coming out of it when you get to the very top. Yeah. You know, and the last thing you want to do is like botch a top of the jam. So what do you do? You play something and then when you get like 85% of the way there, like right here, say to yourself, okay, if I push this, it's going to botch. So I'm going to pull out. And then when you pull out, you realize that other people were kind of like cold feet in their way at, at two because that's why it gets botched. Yeah. Because there's that. And then when it falls into nothing, you we pick it up into something else and it becomes fresh again. And then nobody even remembers that that even happened. So there was like a, there was like an understanding with the band that if we do do this like quick ramp because we're in the groove and we're feeling it and melodies are happening, then just like don't fall in love with it and just at some point we'll just toss it and go somewhere. I think yeah. we even used to use that terminology like we'll just throw it away. And then when we throw it away, don't come back in with it. Yeah. You go somewhere entirely different. I don't care where you go. Go somewhere else. And so that was like kind of what we would do, which led to some really, really long jams, which you guys really liked. So oh, it was yeah. a win-win for everybody. Well, because we got that, that variance, you know, that difference in in texture and tempo and mood where right now you you imagine the 36 people who are on the floor at the brewery are drenched in sweat you yeah. know this is full-on disco dance party and yet as is about to happen 
you'll take them right back all the way down and make them go through that whole elevation once again. Yeah, I'm playing triplets, which I know will pull Sammy out of the jam. You know, because rhythmically sucks for him when the jam's turning to climax and somebody's playing triplets. Like, okay. imagine you're trying to rock out as hard as you can and somebody's playing like a waltz over the top of it and you're just like looking at them like a waltz and that thought process ends the jam when you're at this level of like mind melding you know one person looks at you like what the fuck what what is that garbage so i use moment i use those kind of things as triggers you know what i mean i'll be like oh sammy you, you know you keep building up here I'm playing a waltz. You know what I mean? He's like, why are you playing a waltz? And suddenly I got Sammy. And then now the question is, what what's Magner going to do? You know, how far is Magner going to go right now? He's not slowing down yet. Yeah. So Magner's going to, yeah, he totally has the right to pull the jam up continually after my little waltz move was played. And it happens all the time. Um... I mean, this sounds like, like you may think them. I'm crazy to play a waltz there. But this sounds like you're cueing them straight up right now. Like you're, it sounds like you're giving them the signal. Let's, yeah, let's do this. I'm trying to say here probably something along the lines of, uh, if you want to play above the waves, let's play above the waves. But it's not what we should be playing right now. Yeah, you know, it's kind of above the wavesy, but it's it's also like sounds like a like a again, it's like a. Uh, it's like a convoluted Italian waltz from 1865 is the melody that I'm playing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like... It's like, how are you supposed to climax when somebody in the band's playing that kind of shit? And uh, that was my way of communicating. We're going somewhere else. Where are we going? Are we jamming into something else? We're jamming into more waves. Now I'm trying to get out of the jam, too. It's my you third... This is you. So you are now like I'm just to, ruining this jam is what it sounds like. Not ruining it, but I'm like not feeling. You don't want to finish. You don't want to. It's too easy. You want to go back and, and yeah, do I'm something clearly else. Clearly trying to get out of what we're trying. This is the third lick that I would. You're telling me that's not you setting up to play the top of the jam? No, all three of those licks are things that I would do if I want the jam to change. Okay, Magner finally backs off. Magner finally backs off. He finally got the message. Okay, this is where I broke it, and and we'll come back. We'll, by the way, Magner does the same stuff. By the way, we'll come back to this one. I want In those rooms, he probably didn't hear the first two licks that they did. Yeah. He probably had no idea what I was doing. Probably wasn't until the third one that he was like, oh, we're not. We're, I thought we were doing this. We're not doing this. You so, know what I mean? Yeah. So you're trying to. Like my little waltz thing. He probably didn't even hear it. You know what I mean? And then I tried the second one, which was also a little above the waves. See, he probably didn't know what that was. And then the third one was like, I'm literally playing down in a water lick. Like, how much more obvious can you be? And this is kind of what I love about touchdowns all day when we do these episodes together. Because <laughs> okay. I'm like, we thought this was the most brilliant patient jamming. You're like, it was a shitty sound system. And I was playing the same signal over and over again to try to end things. And no one heard it. 
And it just so happened that it turned out to be this 35 minute above the waves, but it's really just, there's like a practical explanation for it. Well, I'm not playing, I think you're you're boiling it down a little bit too far. Like the, the fact that the licks have a function of, of like where the band sh- should be going in my thought mm-hmm. and why I'm playing them doesn't take really away from the musicality of the lick that much. Like okay. there's still that little Rossini waltzy thing there. I like the fact that I played that because yeah. I know what I was thinking there, which is like, let's play something that sounds like above the waves. But if you remove the rest of the band, it would be a 1812 waltz or something like that. Yeah. But it's going to be a little Italian. It would have a little bit of a Rossini feel to it. And then, and and yet it would still work fine in the, in the groove. And everybody in the band is doing that all the time. Yeah. So me pointing it out in this situation makes it sound like I'm I'm doing something there that's just, just destroying what the band is trying to do. It's not the case. Everybody is doing that all the time and in different ways. And you can hear it. Everybody has their own ways of doing it. Um, I do it a lot with rhythm. Yeah. Because I can change the rhythm entirely with, with what I'm playing, and it's totally fine for the other band members. Yeah. If Sammy busts into a waltz, the entire jam falls apart. Yeah. If Alan breaks into a waltz, there is no more jam. So he has his own ways of accomplishing the same thing. And you know Mark I mean? does too. And, and I actually have Mark yeah. talking. Let me play Mark. Mark talking uh, right. on that subject of how he <laughs> will yes. sometimes intervene and change the tempo. Yeah, because there are the things that you are allowed to fuck with the thing about the above the waves jam that's so unique well there's two things about it one it's in f sharp minor and really it's kind of a phrygian f sharp when you look at the notes that are in the um melody section it's got a g in it it's got that flat two in it it's got the d in it which is a six so it's got a it's very dark and f sharp minor is one of the darkest of all of the keys um but the thing about it is it's fast right so it comes at you fast too magner's been talking about like starting this jam without the kick drum on every beat for many years but that just hasn't really happened so the kick drum comes and it hits hard at like 175 to 200 sometimes even faster than 200 beats per minute right and so in order for you to be able to do anything really set it up and make things happen in this jam uh on the bass oftentimes you have to look at the half time so if the drums are at 180 beats per minute i try to think of it at 90 beats per minute and what's happened over the the years is i'll drop in these kind of sly and robbie like reggae-esque dubby lines that would work over the double time but also over half time and many times it drives the jam into dub territory you know uh the thing always comes back out with a double time kick drum on every beat uh, into the chord changes which are it's an f sharp to a d um back and forth at the end of the jam that's kind of how we set the peak up but um in the middle I mean, really, the thing about a Disco Biscuits jam is it can go anywhere, and you have to be meditative about it. You have to be prepared. Leave a little space for other people to be able to say stuff. Start your phrases. End your phrases. You know, and sometimes look at the halftime piece of it. And and, and that's the key here with the Waves jam is, is 
don't get swept away with the double time super super fast drum beat and just try to lay some space out on top of it and let things develop and we've had uh you know of course the thing has gone in every single direction that it could possibly go in and um but uh, those those jams where it goes dubbier and goes a little bit halftime, those are always some of my favorite waves jams from back in the day. Yeah, yeah. So Mark plays dubby bass lines, and then if nobody goes with him, nobody goes with him. But if people go with him, it's because he's already there. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to do in that lick is I'm going into these triplety things because when they come around to me, I'm already there. You know what I mean? And they do. It does have an effect when. Mark- Mark goes to a dubby bass line. I hear it immediately. And do I play along with it or not? That's my decision. That's the this that's what being in a jam band is. You're making that decision. Sometimes you say yes, sometimes you say no. It depends on what you're feeling at the time and what everybody else is doing. And you know, there's other factors. Uh, is the promoter on the side of the stage screaming, get the fuck <laughs> off my stage? You know, there's other factors. Well, in this particular case, you eventually, you the message is received. And so yeah, yeah. we well, had we that. We used to do that in Waves all the time, though. Like, that's, Waves was and still is. We still have the conversation to this day with Waves where it's like, don't play Waves in the jam. Go somewhere else. Which I, you know, now we're talking about Waves. I'm thinking to myself, like, I just had a thought right now. The next time we play Waves, we're going to play... Because I don't hear any waves without the D, right? Yeah. There's the D. I, here it is again, right? I don't hear any. We're, and Mark just said waves is F sharp to D. Yeah. So, but why? Why is it F sharp to D? There's a G in there. Is F sharp in there? You can play F sharp to G all day long. We probably don't do that because half step jams turn into half step jams. You know, half step jams is a whole other podcast. But, uh, but maybe there's another way to do waves so it's not so one one flat six, one flat six, one flat six. And like I feel like that's the thing about the waves jam is that core progression is hard to let go of. Yeah. And and that, you know, this, this where we're headed. I wanna I wanna play a little more of this jam, but I'm kinda headed in the in the Like Radiohead's whole career was made off of those two chords. Every single Radiohead song is one flat six, so it's like there. People love that shit. And I feel like at a certain point, you guys maybe got tired of it. Oh, that it, yeah. That it got, still even on that tour, like it got yeah. a little constraining. And Waves has, since it's been, you know, you've kind of broken it apart. Waves now is, is it's inverted almost every time you play it. Right, because you want to hit those changes only when you need them. And when you're in a jam where those are the changes of the jam, well, then how do you leave them? You know what I mean? They're they're too powerful. So and you cannot jam into waves. There's, so yeah, I think there's maybe one time that I could find where you jammed in the early years, at least, where you jammed into the the descending, the Debussy, the the jumping off the. The, the problem with jamming into that is that part is is a three. It's a nine, right? So it's one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. And you can jam into three, but if you don't feel like a world beat turn to it, it sucks. Yeah. Three jams suck unless you get that like Afro house beat thing going on underneath it, which, 
you know, has a lot, like, there's only so much Alan can do. And that's a problem. Like, if if Alan gets into the dopest Afro house beat in the world, I can still totally fuck that jam up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, those three jams... There's too much, there's too, it's too easy for, for the rest of the three of us to fuck that up. So we just kind of avoid them. Yeah. And when you're going into that, like, and you're like us, we're like, you can't have any rules about how we get in and out of it. That the, the potential to turn it into just like just yeah. some boring, waltzy shit is too high. Yeah. Well, you let's, know? let's go back to that jam. Whereas those old dribble dub jams, which don't go into the, but essentially the same thing. But it doesn't have that like watery component to it. Um, so you can like, I can keep it bluesy and cool and it stays away from Walt flowers and it keeps, it stays cool. Yeah. You know, and you can, st- and Afrobeat, trance, dub, house beat underneath it and it's fire all night long. Yeah. And that, that dribble dub jam is fire. We used to do them like the whole set. Yeah. You know? But the second you stay into above the waves at the end of that jam, you get this, it just mushes out for some weird reason. Yeah. Well, here's the uh, the second part of It's because the... it's a nine. That's the... This is nine where... four, you know what I mean? That's the Things reason. I forgot the reason. I just remember the reason. Yeah, we figured that one out. Nine sucks. Four is great. Even three over four is great. But three into nine is terrible. It's... People like to dance to it. This is fire right here. I like this. So is this the same jam? Same jam. This is right where we left off. I'm just asking that. I knew that. I just wanted to know. I just wanted Kronk to know that. You got it? Yeah, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> Brewery. <laughs> There's enough. Lone person, one clapping. person clapping. Wednesday night in Raleigh. What is the sound of one hand clapping? We found out. <laughs> I was not there. I was. It's back probably at the promoter waiting for us to get off stage. He's probably like, "Great show, guys." Well, you you are. There's nobody at the bar. Nineteen minutes into this song, they've sold hundred and fourteen dollars worth of beer that night. Yeah. Like, if I have to give out one more free water, I'm going to... It's pretty hot. Yeah. I love when the the biscuits turn into, like, an inner-city jazz band, you know? Like, just urban jazz. And Sammy just, on a dime... Jumped right on what Aaron was doing. Yeah, now totally different jam. Yeah, he can't really mess with rhythm in the same way that we can. Because it's 
it's a dime. It's a, it's yeah. a total change. Baseline's fire, though. Yeah. Like, it's almost like a baseline that you would hear in, uh, in, like, a, like, one of those parties they used to have where they played, like, fast jungle music. But the bass was, um, like, uh, there's no musical instrument. It's all synths. Yeah, yeah. It's all like that, like kind of pre-garage, like, really hard stuff they used to do. shuffle here, huh? Yeah. And, and because the story element of waves, you know, how Alan talked about it as the storytelling vehicle, Whatever takes place in that jam, yeah. you can imagine that's what's happening to Coronado. Yeah, I'm yeah. playing like really like he's he's yeah. maybe he's underwater now. He's with like the you know the the glowing uh, the the deep sea creatures. He's in like you know maybe a mermaid picked him up and right. is dragging him along the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of like a little bit of bolero in there, like the. Kind of like flowing with everything that everybody's playing, but yeah. not flowing in in one scale, but kind of like change, adjusting the scale as you go. At like dream quality. Very dreamy. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe he's taking in too much water and he's hallucinating, and this is just like. But but because it has that theme, the jam serves a purpose. It tells a story. It's a guy who jumped off a cliff. And is trying to swim for his life. Yeah, yeah. And the sounds you hear are what what is he going through? This is like, you know, like sublime live band or some shit. You know what I mean? We used to listen to that album all the time. This era? This was 40 ounces of freedom time, wasn't it? <laughs> we used to listen to that album all the time. Wow. 
so good, so good. Yeah, that was fire. We should go back and take that 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 baseline and, and make yeah. like uh, something cool. We should make something cool out of it. I gotta remember to do that because usually during the podcast I do a little screenshot when the songs go when the groove's good. I feel like I gotta revisit this, and usually I say something about it so yeah. I can remember. Well, have him remind you. Yeah, yeah. 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 What do you need? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. All right, what else you got? So you're headed so back. this is Thriller. Aaron's playing Thriller. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's funny how when you when you do the jamming and, like, the, obviously, above the way is an F sharp. And, you know, when Mark said F sharp is the, F sharp minor is the darkest of all keys when he said that in his quote before. Yeah. I know he's just quoting Spinal Tap and trying to be funny. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's also, I think he, we, we happen to agree with Spinal Tap in that it sense. Is, it is a that F sharp is the darkest of all keys. Like, I think I agree with that. But we, we used to watch Spinal Tap in the van and we used to laugh that the guy thought that F sharp minor was dark. It was a joke between the band. So I kind of hear what he's going for there. Yeah. Um, but it is very dark. So there's something we said for that. All the jams are in different keys. And it's interesting, like, that was pretty much Thriller, right, that Aaron was yeah. playing. It sounded like, so I bet you Thriller's an F-sharp. I'm just going to guess right now. I don't think I've ever played Thriller, uh, but it, what, that happens in jams where you'll be in a key and you'll be in a jam, and then all the songs that are in that key yeah. will appear magically here, there, and everywhere, and then you will, uh, you know. Yeah, and sometimes you'll grab them. Or very often, yeah. Aaron will grab them, beat it, or yeah, like Sesame you'll you'll Street hear Thriller song, when or, you're in the key of Thriller. When you're in some other key, same time of everything, you won't end up on Thriller. Yeah. So uh, I like that stuff. Whenever I hear people do stuff like that, I always think it's good because to me it means that they're like playing with their their ears and not their brains. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is it? Look at that. And, there you go. Uh, yeah, there it is. You heard it here on the podcast. Pound seven. F sharp. Hashtag. Hashtag seven. Hashtag seven. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Aaron was playing with his ears. Yeah. And, not, and, and he ended up where he ended up. So, you know? so Waves is the song of the tour, but I think by the end of the tour, you're already starting to maybe outgrow it because it is has such a like structure mm-hmm. and and shortly you know during that tour you start to play it dyslexic a few times um you start to put the peak mm-hmm. above the the journey and i feel like that's yeah. the sort of you know by camp Bisco that year where you play the inverted waves the first inverted waves you kind of established the precedent for the next 20 years which is waves is the peak you you kind of downgrade the story, the journey, the you know jumping off the cliff through the climbing onto the beach and the embrace with Mulberry, and it becomes more about the big intense peak and the big intense peak that you might not have the patience to go through the entire process, so that big intense peak can come out of whatever's coming before it, and mm-hmm. then you just flip it on its head and start it up again and then jam out of it. Yeah, because you we could just like at any point in the show we can just go into waves. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Because it is like, you know, we just push your way to F sharp somehow and then speed up, add the changes, speed up, speed up, add the changes, speed up, speed up, boom, you're there. You know, it's just like that. It's like uh, it's like lighting something on fire. You just light it on fire. You just, you know, let's talk Survivor for a second. You, yeah. you, you have the fire challenge, right? You, you shake the little thing, you shake the Did little thing. Did you make thing, your tent? You get the little flint. Enough you magnesium shake the thing, on there. And then suddenly, up it goes. Yeah. And then, oh my God, there you go, above the waves. That's what it is. It's a fire challenge. I'd like to thank Sin Lawn, S-Y-N-L-A-W-N. It's basically synthetic lawn. It's literal grass, folks. It's AstroTurf. Do you want to have the joy of grass without the pain of watering and maintenance? Well, this is for you. This is the largest manufacturer of synthetic grass in the country. It's made in the United States. It's bio ingredients such as soy and sugarcane. It's USDA BioBase certified, and they will install it for you. So do you have a house and there's a bunch of dirt in the backyard? Put some Sinlon down, folks. Sinlon.com slash touchdowns for more information about the Sinlon products. Thank you, Sinlon, for joining the Touchdowns All Day family. So Sammy, uh, he says, <laughs> you get to the ending of Waves, and it's one of the most triumphant sections you've ever written, in his opinion. Disagree. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like, in terms of make a list of your top five, like, top of the jam licks, waves, very moon, crickets, like, what what else is up there? Crickets, definitely Magellan. Magellan. Um, Just like the the peak that the the astronaut, I would say. um, That's three. And that's it. There's only three. What were your three? I think. Cricket's definitely astronaut. Definitely, um, um, yeah. I guess I guess you would put waves up there. You would Magellan for sure. Basis. Um, I mean, I'm old school, so I would say very. very Yeah, yeah. They're just like triumphant, like just very satisfying, rewarding. Uh, and then after blaring through the dark maelstrom of the jam, I'm Sammy again, mm-hmm. we burst into the light with this major stomp as Coronado swims like hell on fire and Mulberry lets the engines burn. Woo. Still gives me chills to hear that music and listen to those words. I definitely teared up on more than a few occasions playing Waves. Yeah, it's weird when he does that. Yeah, it's, it, he has done that a couple of times. But, In a bunch of different songs. And Sammy is like... He's an emotional guy. He's, he's the closest thing to John Bonham we have in the band. And, uh, and also the guy who like cries. Throwing tears out of his face while we're trying to fucking play a rock show is really weird. But he's done it a bunch of times. I mean, you should have seen Sammy's face when we played that song. Sammy to you, my friend. That song we played at Camp Bisco. Yeah. And like he didn't know we were going to play it. We oh. taught it to just like with some fake words. <laughs> like the Motri Moxie thing. We did that to him. <laughs> Oh my and gosh. Then we played his lyrics again. I turned around and it was like, was so sad. It was like tears coming out of his face. You know, he looked like Allison Max when Mackie when they told her that Nixon was canceled. Gotta do a little current events because Bro Bible's here. You know what I mean? And, and Can't when it, avoid current events entirely. <laughs> <laughs> when when I brought up to Sammy the whole concept of me doing this, he yeah. was like, Are "You sure that's a good idea?" And I was like, "Why?" He's like, "That song is too emotional." Really? 
He mm. thought that it would be like to Sammy above the waves is like an incredibly emotional message. You know, like the 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 the, the lyrics in the the you know to the road song part. The you know the Oh yeah yeah. I don't, I don't, all, how did that even happen? I forgot. One last chance. This is it. This is your chance. And Sammy I think very much took that as being there there being a kind of autobiographical component about the band there that this is like that above the waves was embodies a lot of the hopes that the band had at that moment and that a lot of what was uh, uh you know the the weight that people were placing on your shoulders that you were this composer you were the songwriter this song this rock opera this was your chance this was going to get you out of the bars and out of the van and out of the sleeping on the floor in the dorm rooms. Mm. And it very much did. I'm super glad I didn't think of that while I was writing it because what a fuck the whole fucking thing up. Yeah. 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 But it, 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 it I kind guess of it might have been the there prophecy. on some level, but yeah. I get it. It makes sense. It's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, songs that are autobiographical in some way. And like everything is a little bit autobiographical or, or yeah. you know what I mean? But. I don't. I don't read that one that way so distinctly. But he could be right. But I, I don't necessarily think about it that way ever, really. So maybe I thought about it at the time. I know a lot of the fans. Definitely, the message resonated with us. I remember. I, I don't. I don't remember their names, and that will actually protect them. But do you remember there was a couple back then, mm-hmm. and both of there were two heads, like Torat type kids. They were both with other people, but everyone knew they were in love with each other. And it was mm. like the the big open secret on tour was that these two people were like really meant to be with each other. But were they, they related? Were, they were brother and sister. <laughs> I knew it. I had it right from the get-go. Rich and Patty Blonsky. <laughs> wow, that's great. And I remember they would like, we because we all knew, because it was like, this was like the tour gossip. Like, mm-hmm. During the road song part or during hot air balloon, uh-huh. they would always be like, they would like be stealing a glance or like, you know, everyone's like hugging in a big ecstasy pile on the dance floor. Mm-hmm. And they would just be like during road song or something like that. It was like a very kind of emotional, powerful, uh, it, it just, it resonated for a lot of us. For sure. We were a bunch of kids. We were a bunch of kids on a lot of ecstasy. And, and anything children. that had an emotional component to it was going to resonate extra hard. Yeah, you would think I would have put more emotional songs in. You know what I mean? I don't know why I didn't. Is it weird to I put be... some in. I put some in, but I feel like people only want that emotional moment as a tag after some intense, crazy lunacy. Yeah. That's what they want. So. Yeah, yeah. And that, that, that very much describes the Biscuits fandom, at least back then. Mm-hmm. We wanted you to take us completely to the edge of insanity and then bring us back with something very emotional and organic and warm and familiar. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of what it still is. I think. I yeah. think we're still there. So I'm the last there. piece I had because we're we've been we're, going we're good. We're good. Well, I was just. Gonna I want to talk about Survivor before this is over. Uh, the the, the cap like I'll put there. in it was Waves has continued to evolve. New has jams. It? You jam now out of the Coronado Swam part. You get that cool funky jam there. You'll Ugh. split it up there. Well, that's the thing is like we don't want the Waves Peak is like not a jam for us anymore. It's a yeah. solo section, so we can't do the peak jam like we used to because it's it's just it's too easy for us to play now at this point because we played it a million times so not necessarily easy to play it's just 
It's we've done. I know, like if somebody does a little something here, exactly. It's just too. It's even when we're trying to play it differently, it ends up sounding the same. Yeah, and that's the problem with it now. So we just we literally throw everything away. Like let's leave the key, let's leave the vibe, let's leave everything, and we do our best at doing that. It's really hard to do that, ironically, because of the tempo of the jam. It's hard to leave that tempo. Yeah. Um, but we'll probably do more and more stuff like that, more dub jams in there and a lot of stuff like that. Because you got to keep playing the song. People love the song. Yeah. So you got to keep wanking out the uh, weirdo jams somehow. You know, yeah. Really get it and you have the new opportunities to jam in different parts now, too. You'll jam between right. yeah. Coronado Swam and the Road Song. you get like a like a kind of very moon funk jam sort of thing going on. And yeah, it, it's just the, the song has continued to evolve even if it's no longer the like you know the set piece that it used to be, it still means a yeah, lot. Yeah, it can't be the set the piece. If it's still the set piece, we suck. You know what I mean? It's we got to do do new interesting things. But it's nice that you can play it. Um, it's just like such a musically intricate song. I think it's going to hold up for a while. So that you got to keep the jam interesting because you're going to play it. I think if you go to a disco biscuit show, like you can see it at Camp Bisco. When we play Camp Bisco and we play in front of like thousands of fans who like kind of, they don't even want to see people play instruments. They want to listen to like yeah. bass music on a laptop, right? But during Above the Waves, they stop. They pay attention during Above the Waves. It still has They that look power. at us like, is this, is this, can you make this? this with music? What kind of, they look at us with a kind of like quizzical, like, yeah. is this cool? I can't even tell anymore. Like, so. Okay, it does last- have that really cool effect on on people who don't know. Like, if you're watching this podcast for some reason and you're a biscuit fan, seven hours. You're later. not a biscuit fan. Yeah. Check out Above the Waves, and <laughs> you like it. it if you're seems an Orchard Lounge fan who happened to be on yeah. Couch Tour, <laughs> you're on Couch Tour early because you're waiting for the Orchard Lounge show. <laughs> uh, the, the last question, and then we can no, talk no, no, about let's Survivor. Talk about Survivor. But the, 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 the last question: Is it weird to be? Talking about a song you wrote when you were 25 years old. It's a little, it's a component of this podcast. That's weird. Yeah, yeah for sure. Because I'm thinking, you know, this I was a, a few podcast. years, I'm a few years younger than you. So I don't want to talk about the shit that I was doing, man. I was going to Disco Biscuit shows. I don't want to fucking talk about that. I, mean, I, I don't I mind I do, talking, talking about it. You guys about all it. seem to like it. I'm not, I don't mind discussing it. You know, it's, it's cool. I, I like the fact, I like the song still, you know, it's not like if we were talking about, like there's so many songs they wrote that I don't like. If we were talking about one of them, I'd be like, wow, this is tough. But this song I like, um, you know, Deep Dive, song Deep Dive. It's a podcast where we're supposed to talk about the music. Like, and, of and course, we did. if I didn't like talking about the music, why do I have a podcast about it? It would make no sense. Well, I, this is just a weird, awkward attempt to weird... get more time to hang out with Bro Bible. Because I'm sure he would just hang. This is just a big oh, conspiracy to get him to say, how, <laughs> Max, how many hours about Above the Waves can you put together so that Bro Bible has to right. stand there? Imagine, awkwardly. If this was some, imagine if this was some like, then weird prank you guys were playing. <laughs> <laughs> is it would this be like a weird prank where like you guys are all in on all it the, and, the, and i'm like let's yeah. talk about survivor and you're like no let's talk about this part of above the waves they're like playing it's like it's like four in the morning <laughs> John, what do you think about above so the weird waves? like some weird so let's talk about survivor um, let's, let's talk a little bit about survivor what are they gonna where's season 41 isn't okay. it time 
We're going to talk about the driver. We have to tell everybody who signed up that we're still going to do it. But It's still going to happen. Oh, yeah, we have to talk about our version of Survivor, which we didn't do because the climate in the country changed drastically. <laughs> and uh, it seemed a little bit... Uh, it didn't fit with the country for a second there. And, no. And that's okay. That's okay. Um, one of our people involved yeah. did an online one with a girl from Survivor. Missy? Uh, yeah, Missy from Missy. Survivor. She did one online. Yeah. So we're going to... There, there are a lot Hopefully, of online Survivor games. There are, there's a lot of precedence for this, and people absolutely I, eat it up. They love it. They yeah, love I to think play when, the, when the country sorts out its issues and mellows out for a second and, and we can have some fun. Yeah. Let's have some fun. And that's what we're going to do. I loved the idea of doing Survivor all day on the Zooms or whatever we were going to do. But, you know, it's with the pandemic and everything, like, it was, it was really hard to do. We'll get it done eventually. So we And we did get a lot of people who sent videos in that were great. Who knew that the Venn diagram of Survivor and Disco Biscuits Yeah, it's probably pretty close. <laughs> yeah. But I want to know where season 41 okay. is. Are so they going to do deal. it or what? Here's the deal. So as of now, there are no plans to, or at least no publicly disclosed plans to begin filming season 41. The question is why. They haven't even filmed it. They have a cast. The it's cast, supposed to be on next week. Like Alabama's playing football next week. What's, yeah. the, what's going on? So here's the deal. So you know Survivor now films in Fiji. Mm-hmm. And that's for a number of reasons. Survivor for the first 30 two seasons moved around quite a bit. Now they just shoot in Fiji. That's because of really favorable production tax credit incentives. It's because it's very comfy for Jeff Probst. It's because all of their gear is there. They've got a great local workforce. Mm-hmm. People like Fiji. It's fun to, for the crew to be there. They've got an ideal setup. They have great seasons there. Like Watching people suffer... And like, it's beautiful. It's, it's not that great in Survivor anymore. Like, we've done it a bunch. You want it to look you like know? Survivor. You don't want it to look like Nicaragua, where my season was, which is gross. I don't mind that, necessarily. I just feel like if you look at some of those uh, islands, like Cambodia mm-hmm. and and uh, Africa, and uh, you see a lot of people that are just suffering. Yes. For days on end, huddled up like, yeah, and you just like you're watching the whole episode. You're like, I just hope nobody dies this episode. Yeah, and it's not really great TV, and people get airlifted out, and so I don't mind the whole Fiji thing. And whatever makes Jeff happy, I'm fine with. I get it. He's done a shitload of shows. He doesn't need to go to the Antarctic or whatever. And and whatever allows them to make the show, whatever economically makes sense. So here's where the problem is. Yeah, yeah. Fiji has a strict COVID lockdown where they're not allowing anyone from outside of the country to come in. The Survivor crew is very international. They've got people from Australia, a lot of people, high-ranking people, executive producers from from Australia, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa. Yeah, yeah. So they've got a, a multinational crew. They've got a lot of local Fijian workers yeah, who but- they probably pay very little, but who are very skilled and who contribute quite a bit. All of their production facilities are there. They can't just up and leave and go to a country with more. But they've favorable. done it a hundred times. I mean, they've done it. 26 times they they have done it it's not like they can't do it they know how to do it but getting they can do survivor right here they know how to do it but getting all of those people they can do survivor la they can't though because of travel bans so they can't those australians can't get get over here those south so all of this is what they're sorting out right now and they're telling us they're exploring new options and they're hoping cbs was above the law that's what i thought 
I, I didn't think. Well, I didn't think CBS kowtowed to these travel bans. Les Moonves well, demonstrated that even CBS. Les Moonves is gone. Suddenly, CBS yeah. is a total rule follower. Well, uh, so as of now, I mean, come on. Not only is there no. Can't we get somebody who's as brash as Les Moonves without all the penis flashing? He's. Well, Les Moonves was to penis. We need someone to do. Yeah, no, it's not funny. <laughs> Les Moonves was a piece of shit. Yeah. I am. I yeah, disgusted to find out that what he did. Uh, I, it's I am unbelievable hopeful. what he did. It's unbelievable really, and disgusting. Yeah. And. Um, I mean, when you do stuff. In life, where the only explanation is you're on a shitload of drugs, I don't understand how. And then you find out that he's not. It's just like what? How is that I possible? mean, it's been when ter- Howard Stern makes terrifying. a puppet about you, you know you fucked up. <laughs> That's the line where I mean, like, there was the Jackie puppet up. in like 1999, <laughs> and then no puppets for 20 years. Yeah. They had Jackie got a puppet, and then le- then puppets were retired to less moon fest. <laughs> so as of now, no oh. plans. But supposedly the the reports that came out last week, I think Hollywood Reporter had a story that they are exploring every option because as of now, we're looking at fall twenty twenty one at the earliest that's for survival. About. And that's I mean, this is a cultural institution. We've been twenty years where there hasn't been a, yeah, a TV season. They where shoot that's them survivor. both at the same time, right? Uh, back to back with a few weeks in between. So there's enough time for the crew to go home and for them to reset things, but it's pretty much back to back. Yeah, so we're not we're gonna lose all the fall, we're gonna lose all the spring. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll definitely have something next fall, right? So well, I mean we It's we kinda hope. like Westworld where you're like waiting for this thing and then they give it to you a year later and it's whackadoodle. So a typical survivor season now films like m- March to May and then late May, June mm-hmm. to July, August. Um, they can go later. You know, they've shot Survivor seasons to, you know, like May. I think my season we shot August. So the season before us, 29, shot May. So they, they can push and still have it on the TV in, in fall, on the air in fall. But um, why don't they have you host? Me and do Survivor Antarctica. First of all, I don't like. There's colds. no way Jeff's doing Survivor Antarctica, but it would be like this non-canon Survivor. Uh, and Rob, Rob with a podcast. They Rob, have him hosted. They should have him hosted. He's not only great as a podcaster; he's great on Survivor. Yeah, I'm bad at both, so I don't need to do either. Like right. I, I would just be talking for four and a half hours about Above the Waves with. Row Bible standing there, <laughs> looking uncomfortable, <laughs> having to go to the bathroom and not knowing if he can do. Row Bible's um, like, I got a hundred bucks as we get to six hours. Yeah, we we have been talking for quite a while. This is crazy. Um, but uh, so, what, John? Do you want to talk about winners at war? I I, I feel I'd like I'd love to talk about winners at war. Okay. Yes. You now you're you're an official. Great season. You, you've watched all the seasons in the last. I'm gonna say six months. I've seen everything except for like six, 12, and 24. Okay. Yeah, and tw- I think I've seen them all. You picked for- a few bad seasons to skip, so that's that's, yeah, yeah. that's good. But coming into Winners at War. I like the bad seasons, though. That's the fucked up thing. Interesting. What yeah. Coming into Winners at War, what was your favorite season? That's a tough one because uh, 15 was amazing when James goes out with two idols. That was an incredible season. Um, China. China. China was great. Uh, 
obviously Tony's first win was incredible. Uh, I, I, I actually think the Russell hands episodes, I understand why he doesn't win. Yeah. But I think his, his, his seasons are very compelling. Definitely. He's great um, television, great survivor. Uh, he's fantastic. Lisa loves heroes versus villains, right? Um, I love every season that Jeremy's on, including the one that uh, Natalie won. Yeah. That was an incredible season. And then honestly, 33 through 37 are all incredible. Those are the best seasons in really? my opinion. Yeah. You like those more than you like uh, yeah. the poverty seasons. Because at first, yeah, you, the you poverty, and Lisa that were all sexy. about poverty. All the poverty stuff is sexy. But like, think about the poverty season It was like when Jonathan flips, yeah. right? It was a good season. That was a, you didn't like that, that, was that a, season? Eh, it, was, it was okay. It was just like if Jonathan, doesn't, if Jonathan doesn't flip, it just goes the way it goes. Yeah. The whole season was this is how it's going. This is how it's going. And then Jonathan flips and now it's going the other way. Yeah. It's just like. It was good. I enjoyed the season. Great uh, underdog story. You know, you know, I can watch that season again. And Yule is awesome. Um, just, it's really fun. But I really thought the gameplay in 34, 35, 36, even 37, like those, those seasons are all incredible in my opinion. Yeah. Um, what's his face? Mike. Was it Mike who loses at the end? Um, what's his face? The guy who wins brokers oh, the White. deal. Yeah. Mike White, the uh, guy, the TV writer, movie writer, talking about from David versus Goliath. Yeah. The, 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 the round head. Guy. The guy with the round head. And he's got a really round head. I forget his name. And he's got like his buddy who gets outsmarted at the very Do end. You mean David? Yeah, David. David Wright. Yeah, yeah. That was also a, great a TV season. writer. That's Millennials versus Gen X. Yeah, Millennials versus Gen X. And yes. the, the way that the Millennials played was gangster. Yeah. I love the Millennials. Hannah, I, I want to see more Millennials. Remember Hannah from yeah, that Hannah, season? Hannah played great. She was my student at Northwestern. Oh, really? Yeah. So you taught her before she went there? Taught her before I went there, before uh, she went there. She was in my class. Well, look at how your student did. You should be very proud of her. I. It makes up for the fact that I did so poorly that she did so well. I feel redeemed by that. Yeah. I, I can take no credit, but I, I will take credit for the fact that Hannah came into my class like the first day of she was a freshman and um, after class came up to ask me a question and created such a scene, like just by being Hannah, by being exactly the character that you saw, mm -hmm. that I was like, this is, this is a really weird, funny, charismatic, like magnetic person. And I, I had her like three other classes. And when, when I went on the show afterwards, they asked me, do you know anyone who would be good for the show? And I'd had a million people say, mm -hmm. oh, no, no, I want to get on. The, I, the only person whose name I ever gave them was Hannah. And then they went and found her and brought her on the show. She had applied already, but okay. they like found her application mm -hmm. and they were like, Max, thank you. Yeah, she was she great. She was amazing. And she, 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 she made it won. all the way. She could have won. I, I think she should have won. Oh, you uh, do? Not that, not that Adam didn't play a great game, but I, I'm very invested in her. So mm. it's, a, it's an entirely... Uh, biased uh, view. I love Adam, and I think Adam played a great game, but Hannah's like... I just thought the moment where Adam had the meeting at the table in the woods with David and the other guy, and they yeah. had that, like, three-way, like, mobster conversation, yeah. and he, like, ran that whole conversation, and I was yeah. just like, yeah, it's, it's, that's how you play the game right there. Yeah. Like, that... No, that, Adam is that, great. He won the game right there, I thought. I, I didn't think he played very well at Winner's Award all. But, I mean... He, I honestly was hoping he was going to play a better game, because I thought he was an excellent player because his season was terrific. 
I really going into that season, you know, I obviously very invested in Hannah, but I think Adam is a great player, a great winner. And going into that season, I thought he had the ability to pull it off. I thought all the big people would go after each other. The Boston Robs and the Tonys and the Sanders would go after each other, and then the Adams would be left when the smoke cleared. Yeah, but they never do. They like, never do. The bot, like honestly, like the the uh, Santa made one move, and and Sanders' moves are very weird, and, and like she plays a very interesting, weird game. Yeah, and it's very successful in Survivor. But, yeah, you know. I like the way Tony plays. I'm glad he won this year. I really think the right. I like the way he played the first year. I mean, he's so dynamic. He's yeah. so like energetic. He's a dynamic. I thought he was going to be first one gone this year. Yeah, I was like, well, there's I mean, no because way. you saw in Game Changers. But that's yeah. what Tony's Tony's outcomes are are either he wins, yeah, or he goes out first or second. Yeah, yeah. It's very yeah. hard for him to kind of blend in. He's, 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 I, I would hate to be like, what is he? A cop, right? Yeah. Imagine getting pulled over by that fucking guy. A Jersey cop, too. You you may yeah, have been. I right. probably was pulled over by you, him you, many times, actually. <laughs> um, sucks, too. But I don't know why I'm rooting for him now because it was like, you probably got a couple speeding tickets back from him. But yeah, I don't know. I thought he played great. I thought this year, like, the problem with this year was the edge extension was during the show. It should have been on the website. You know, it should have been an extra show. Everybody would have watched it. Yeah. Everybody's watching it on demand. Nobody's watching it on TV. Yeah. All that footage would have been dope YouTube stuff or whatever. We were, we would have watched every minute of it. We watched all the YouTube stuff they did put on. Yeah. Which is like 30 seconds of a thing that's going to be in the episode anyways. Yeah. Like, just give us the whole part. And then we missed out. We didn't see any... No reward meal. Yeah. None of that stuff. And CBS like CBS is terrible like that. That Maybe to me is really important to the to the gameplay. So I feel like 40 could have been the best season ever, but the producers kind of overmeddled, which they're allowed to do. You know? And can't can't do the correct amount of meddling every single time. And and they have their platform. They have CBS All Access. Give yeah, why more. not? Why Give not? us more. Give us ep- episodes. That's what we're doing online. with touchdowns all the YouTube page. We have a podcast. Yeah. We're about 40. Yeah. We're about 40 episodes deep in the podcast. 40 seasons in. Max, by the way, I watched Kai Hensick and Tony's season. Kagion. Kagion. I watched that and I watched your season. Only because Barbara loves the Barbara so much. You needed to get up to speed. Yeah. And like, honestly, I think you were great. And like, at the end, when you were like, yo, Jeff, hold up, bro. Like, it's like the, the number one quote of all time. Survivor. Like that's a, <laughs> I think I think snakes, snakes yeah. and rats. But I it, at that moment, if I'm going home, I'm gonna have some fun with it. Come well, on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what inspired that moment? Yeah, it's a good question. Okay, so this is it's a it's a convoluted story. Um, do you remember Malcolm when he was on Fans versus Favorites? Any any. Had Malcolm that, who blew it harder than anybody. At, well, not really. Well, but like, Malcolm could have won. Malcolm will one day. Malcolm will win. You no, he'll think. never win. You don't think they'll bring him back and set him up? Do they do that? Boston Rob Redemption Island. I don't know. Was that a setup for Rob? I mean, look at those other people. They looked kind of like pushovers. Yeah, but Rob like kind of played a dope game. He got rid of that younger guy like, exactly when that you know he was. Yeah. He was kind of like 
playing at a level that those people didn't under it was it's unfair because he had played four times and none yeah. of them had played and, and a lot of them that's were, super unfair. a lot of them were young not fans yeah. a little more pliable but anyways not to diminish from rob but I Malcolm, think rob is one of the all greats. he had to do is say to denise yes you're um, um we're good and he, well, he also had to, to say not that. drop the in the uh, yeah. final challenge where he's shaking his hands okay so malcolm in that in malcolm's second season Mm-hmm. He has a moment where his his bro is going to play an idol and he and Malcolm goes, "Oh, Reynolds, hold up." And he take he gets the guy to give him the idol. Mm-hmm. Malcolm already has an idol in his pocket, but he convinces this guy to give him his idol even though he doesn't need right, it. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, I remember and that. And we yeah, thought Yeah, why it, did he do that? Cuz it was just a baller move. That's so baller. <laughs> we thought it was amazing and at the time mm-hmm. Uh, the girl who I was seeing at the time made like a, a, a music video where she wrote a song mm. about Malcolm doing that. And she, and he didn't actually say hold up bro, but she wrote it as hold up bro. And she made a little music video for it. Mm-hmm. And we all thought it was hilarious. And so I'm seeing this girl at the time mm-hmm. and I knew like, I'm going to give her a shout out at some point. And so when I get voted out, I'm like, I know, I know I'm going home. And I think like. Did you ever uh, say hold up, bro, to her while having sex? Uh, she probably would have said it more to me. <laughs> deep and above the waves. And, you know, Aaron's just like headlong into the into I'm the lick. Like, and you're, up, bro, you're playing the triplets. You're like, hold yeah. up, bro. Let's hold like, up, bro. go Where to another position. Yeah. yeah Anyways, yeah. so at the time, I thought it was, it was like my shout out to her. Oh, I said so. I didn't know that was a callback to a. To it was a, a callback to Malcolm, but it was like mainly like he didn't actually say "hold up, bro." I think he said "hold up, Reynolds." Right. And in mine, I said "hold up, bro," which was the the song. So you definitely knocked him off guard. He was like, "Yeah." I, <laughs> it, was, it was great. I was. Just I think your him. season was terrific. I think I, so too. To, to to put it in a different way, I watched the whole Survivor at, and I started on your season. Yeah. So only because of you. Yeah, all because of you. I didn't even know the show existed. I thought like Well you came over. I thought it was what was the 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 TV show where they like can't press the button they can't take their hands off the button. Uh Lost. Do you remember Lost? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. There was like a button that they had to hold all the time. They had to push the yeah, yeah. They didn't know what would happen if they stopped pushing the button and I was always like, just stop, just you might as well die. I always thought Survivor was like a game show based on Lost because oh. they both took place on a beach. Yeah. That's how deeply I thought about it before But you, before you came over, happened. you met Tyler from my season, you met PG from yes. China. Yeah, I did. And then like three days later, you're like, what Survivor season should we watch? We just watched yours and PG's. What else should we watch? Yeah, we watched 30 and 31 right off the bat. Both great. And then I didn't... And then honestly, like we went back to PG, which was what, 13? And then we 15. watched... 15, and then we did 13, 14, and then we did a... I think if you watch 30 first and then go to 13 and watch 13 through, like, 16 or 17... Yeah. And if you don't like Survivor at that point, you don't like the show, really. Yeah. But then go to 34. Yeah. No, then late 20s, then late 30s. Yeah. Because it does get better every... Like, the 40s are going to be better. You think? I, the 30s are better than the 20s, and the 20s were sick, and the 20s were better than the 10s, they're, they're and the 10s were sick. The 20, 20s, great. 21, 22, 23, 24, kind of iffy. 25 is great. 26 I mean, one, is iffy. 1 through 7 are bad. 
Eight's great. Nine is awesome. Seven is great. Johnny Fairplay, Rupert, Sandra, Pearl Islands. You love Pearl Islands. I like Johnny Fairplay, I'm going to yeah. be honest with you. And the fact that Johnny Fairplay takes a, such a fucking beating yeah. pisses me off. So I don't really like that season. And I just feel like, I don't know. I, I'm not a huge Rupert guy. I know everybody loves, Lisa fucking loves Rupert, dude. And, and so I got to sit there and be like, yes, Rupert's the best. But, like, internally, I'm just like, who cares? You know what I mean? I mean, Because Rupert time, doesn't play, like, a heavy strategy game. No. You know, Sandra plays, like, a, a cool, interesting game. Like, I can watch her rip. But, like, Rupert doesn't really rip. Johnny Fairplay, I thought, had a really interesting bu- bunch of takes on it. Oh, yeah. And, and what was this whole thing? I don't know what he was doing. Like, well, he, I was like he was, how do you even hold your hands like that? But like, he was strategically incredibly advanced yeah he was way on he it. flipped on everyone yeah. he was he played a fluid game he really changed it up with seven left it looked like he was going to win no question oh yeah he and, um, or ten left or something and and then eight I think is great and nine is dope and then ten through twelve I don't think I've watched you haven't watched ten with no I watched 10. Tom the firefighter who just dominates no I didn't watch ten then you should watch ten it's a great season I know who Tom is I watched him in other seasons yeah uh, he's the worst in his other season. He's not great in, in All-Stars, but Tom is in his original yeah. season. He's possibly the most dominant player of all time. Really? Physically, strategically, socially. Yeah, I should watch 10. I, I guess he, I didn't he puts watch on 10, 11, clinic. 12. I didn't watch 10, 11, 12, but 13, is 13, 14, 15 are great. Well, what are you, what are you waiting for? You're, you're re-watching seasons. I Go back like, and watch I feel like once seasons. I know who won it, I don't really, like, I want to watch 24, but I know who won it. So it's so is like, that spoil it for you? Yeah, it spoils it for me. Ah, but you can, like, see the journey and the character growth and the moments and the conflict and all that. Uh, yeah, I guess so. But I just, like, it, it depends, like, when... Yeah, I don't know. I'm busy now. Now I got couch tour. We got we have touchdowns all day. YouTube page. I got I'm getting going back to the East Coast to to play with the band. Like I'm too busy <laughs> to watch Survivor. I'm gonna throw the TVs out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it you was know? a great pregnancy show for you guys. Great pregnancy show. Best pregnancy show I've ever seen. Yeah. And we literally watched most of it. Yeah. You know, and I'm surprised Rivers that named Colby or something. I know like exactly. That. I feel like I hate Colby. Colby's one of my least favorite players. Colby season was the the Colby season that I saw was so boring. Straight up, well, and I don't know. I didn't see his good season. You you didn't watch uh, Australia I, number two? Yeah, I feel no. I didn't watch number two because okay. I know who won. Right? I know who wins that. I don't know. <laughs> that the winner also plays with their daughter. In a later season, right? I yeah. know who won that one. So, uh, so here's here's so, the thing that I'll tip you off on. I don't do this because I I just like don't have enough time in the day already. But if you guys are looking, supposedly the Australian version of Survivor mm-hmm. is where it's at these days. Better Pe- than American? People say the Australian version of Survivor these days is is better than the American. Yeah, the problem. I tried to watch the British version, and and I also just you know. Full disclosure, I think Love Island is is the 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 best worst show on. Okay, TV. so you guys stuck with that. You're still watching Love Island. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. But how do you do it? I. What else is there to watch? There's no Game of Thrones anymore. There's no Breaking Bad anymore. I can't even turn. I can't. I can't even know that Westworld exists because yeah. it's gotten so bad. Are you caught up on Better Call Saul? No. Watch how that. do you even watch that show? So good. Oh my God, really? And then, uh, I don't know. Like, what do you watch? Like, what, what, 
Now that the kid can crawl. Yeah. You watch him. I, I'm stopping watching television. Yeah. Before he can crawl and he just wants to like sit there and goo goo gaga. And when he was actually like pregnancy age. Yeah. Um, you got to sit. You got to watch a lot of TV. And I don't know. Oof. I don't know what to watch. I yeah. don't know. Watch don't touchdowns know. all day on I got to make this. I got to work for this. No, this. I'm saying them. Uh. To the crowd, oh, they don't. Care. Instagram, they, they live, have their favorite. Facebook, just, they watch like social dilemma and I don't know. Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> so much I did watch the whole Handmaid's Tale. Good, it's awesome. It's it's Game of Thrones with wombs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, I'm exhausted and I yeah, have to work to tomorrow. Bed. So let's let's wrap things that up. Was that, great. that was fun. That we was really we great. dove deep. Yeah. Into the waters. I mean, look, we talked about a ton of stuff. We got all the way to February 1999 (laughs) in four hours. It was fun. All right. Well, thanks everybody for watching. Thank you for uh, being a good sport. Thank you for putting the show together. Really appreciate all your efforts. And subscribe to the Touchdowns, all the YouTube page. And we have merch. Go to the merch page and, you know, get a t shirt. We have more than bathrobes, right? I keep saying get a bathrobe. Cody's t shirts. And uh, you know, we're, we're, you'll see them in October in Yarmouth. And so we have a bunch of biscuit shows, that's right? Tour. Can I announce the biscuit shows? We have like twelve. Let's say in venues. I think we have ten biscuit shows coming up soon. Like in concert venues. Yeah, like we have the four in Yarmouth, and then we have three for Halloween. Indoors or outdoors? It's all the same idea. Oh, it's all. And like then the there's going to be three more, like right after the Halloween, all in the Northeast. All drive-ins. And then we're going to do a ton of couch tour shows because that's what it's for. Amazing. And then um, just keep going with it. Play all that. Like, I thought we were on to something with all the tractor beam and all that cool stuff we were doing. Oh, I just wanted gosh. like I want to somehow get back to that. Yeah. Because the, the, the way the biscuits work is you work on stuff and you work on stuff and it becomes something. Yeah. As you can tell by the songwriting conversations, like I'm trying, I don't try and premeditate it. You yeah. know what I mean? No, I enjoyed the shit out of the winter shows. I, yeah, you know, and coming good. to them with years of being away, come back and there are new songs that I, I mean, I, I am crazy about rocket science. Nice. Anthem. Nice. I, I absolutely love the tractor beam sections. I love all of the, the mixtape things that you guys are doing in there. Yeah. There's so a ton of good. And it took me hours to figure out how to make that fucking guitar synth work in a way. Yeah. I was right there. Like, I just bought that computer, which was the last piece of how to make the guitar synth work. Yeah. And I only, I didn't even get to play it on stage yet. Like, it's so much better with that computer than it was with the computer that I played at the last stage. Um, and nobody's gotten a chance to hear it yet. And it's almost 2021, and nobody's heard it yet. I think it's crazy. Well, it's something to look forward to. We're mass communicating. We're mass communicating.